Welcome to the Roll for Combat Actual Play Podcast, where our intrepid adventurers are playing through the Pathfinder adventure, The Fall of Plaguestone. Join us every week as our daring adventurers face treacherous monsters and deadly obstacles on their quest to save a town from utter destruction. Lead on, listener. Your quest awaits. Hey everyone, welcome to Rule for Combat, The Fall of Plaguestone. I'm your GM and host, Stephen Glicker, and in this week's episode, the crew decide to take a week off from combat and work on themselves. So last week I said I was going to tell you kind of about the different modes of play and how I handle this. So of all the tips that I give out, and if you listen to the Dead Sons podcast, I give out GM and PC tips on a regular basis, but... For a change of pace, I decided to do one on this show before this episode. The main reason is because you're actually going to hear it in action today. And of all the tips I've ever given out, this is probably the best one I have. So good, in fact, that they kind of made it part of Pathfinder 2nd Edition rule set. Actually, they didn't kind of, they did. Now, I didn't invent this, but this is where it comes from. If you read David Eddings, The Belgariad, which I'm pretty sure most of you have, and if you haven't, I strongly recommend you do, that he separates out all of his books into different modes. He always has three chapters, and they usually go in this order. They usually go fighting, plot development, travel. Fighting, plot development, travel. And that's the order. I don't know why, but it just works. It makes for a very exciting book. It makes for a really good read, and it keeps the story going. Now, Pathfinder 2nd Edition pretty much embrace this completely with their fighting is encounter mode, their plot development is exploration mode, and their travel is downtime mode. I love that. I actually love that because I've been doing that unofficially in all of my role-playing games for as long as I can remember. So why am I bringing this up? Well, one of the tricks of doing this is you actually want to tell your players when you're going to be in each one of these modes. Now, this might be seen as cheating to some people, like, oh, well, you shouldn't tell PCs, like, when they're going to have some downtime or be able to do some exploration. I say, no, I actually disagree completely, because if you're going to be doing, say, downtime, when you're going to be doing a lot of buying and selling of items, those sessions, if you're not prepared, can actually be boring for some players. For example, in my Dead Sons Adventure Path, John, he likes to fight. He likes encounter mode. That's actually all he likes. He hates buying and selling. He hates when you go and even build his character because he does fighters. So it takes him five minutes to level up his character. He can buy and sell all of his equipment in 10 minutes and he just wants to fight, fight, fight. So the worst thing in the world is that he gets down to play with us and he's all ready to spend the next couple of hours battling monsters when it turns into a shopping spree and instead they're doing nothing but, oh, I don't know, buying and selling equipment, and he is bored out of his mind, and the whole night is a disappointment. So, I do plan, whenever they're about to level up, I do give them warning, because the way I do it is, I don't actually do XP, I usually do progression-based leveling, so at certain points of the adventures when they're going to level up, so I warn them when they're very close to leveling up, so they should build out their, uh, so they should build out the next level of their characters. 
The next thing I also warn them about is when they're going to be able to have a big shopping spree. Now, of course, at any time during an adventure, they can buy and sell things. But usually, whenever they level up or just have a really big encounter section, they will have new treasure that they want to sell or items they want to buy. So that's the second item. The next item is, and this is very important if you have characters who craft, is I tell them when they're going to have a lot of downtime so that they can craft or work on their characters. Since you usually take several days or even weeks to craft items, again, I always tell my PCs a little bit ahead of time, like, okay, you're going to have some downtime. This is when you're going to have a good time to actually start making some items. On the flip side, especially in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, where it's a lot easier to retrain your character, it also comes down to retraining, because you mostly need about a week to retrain. You can do it in a few days or a few weeks, depending on what you're trying to retrain, but it's built into the rules that it's a lot easier to retrain your characters, so they do need a week. Now, that sounds crazy. It's like, well, if I can retrain my character, can't I just completely keep changing my characters over and over again? Well, now here comes the flip side. Whenever I allow my players to have downtime or exploration mode, I usually limit it to a week or so. That way, they have to still make hard decisions. I don't just say, oh, you have two months to do whatever you want, and then they can go off and like retrain and do a million things. No. I say, okay, it looks like you're going to have about a week of downtime before the next lead is going to come. That way, they have to decide, okay, I have one week. I can either craft a few things, or I can retrain, or I can explore this item, or I can go make money, and so forth. And that's important so that they're still making decisions. In my adventures, I often will have them against a clock. Actually, let me rephrase that. In every adventure I run, I always have them against the clock. It's kind of a running uh, joke in my adventures, but it's important. It's important to keep the pressure on. It's important to keep them moving. It feels like they're always up against something, and you don't want them to feel like, oh, they could just take their time. No, you always have to have the pressure on. Think about all the greatest TV shows and movies and books and everything you read. Does anything ever not have a deadline or a goal that they have to get to really, really fast? Of course there is. And actually, real life is like that. You always have deadlines. You always have things coming up. So I make my adventures the same way. I'm always pushing them forward. So what am I saying? Really, when you're playing your games, don't surprise your players with, okay, now you have a week to do something. And they didn't know about that the prior week. Or now this is going to be the session where you're just buying and selling stuff all night and so forth. I usually tell them a session or two in advance what to expect. So for today's session, it's all downtime. I told them ahead of time that they're going to have about a week before the next lead would come up. They're able to do some things. I know some people wanted to investigate their backgrounds. Some people wanted to retrain. Some people wanted to look into crafting some things. So I gave them a week. And in reality, I could have given them two weeks. I could have given them one day. The actual plot of the book says that you don't give them any time, but I felt that that's unrealistic. And they want to actually adjust and change their characters, and they need breathers. So it's a good way to sort of change up the adventure. So one final note. Everything you're going to hear in today's adventure, everything you hear coming out of my mouth and what's being done, 98% of it was made up on the fly. That's right, 98% of it. There's one part that I sort of outlined a little bit, but everything else was literally done right then, right as it was occurring. So you got to stay on your toes. That's the only thing. If you're going to give them a lot of downtime, you just got to make sure you're ready for anything. Your characters will challenge you. 
Oh, and then finally, one other thing I wanted to mention that we'll get into this week's episode. You'll notice I sort of switch around the point of view instead of sort of spend a little time with one character at a time. That's another thing I like to do. I try to spend a good 10 to 15 minutes on each PC to make sure that they're able to do what they want to do. They're able to explore their character fully. I try not to mix and match it. I find it's very distracting and you could accidentally not give someone enough time to focus on their PC. So this way, by moving back and forth to focus, everyone gets to do exactly what they want to do. They feel like they've accomplished what they need to do for that session. And then next week, when we go into full encounter mode, everyone's ready to go. Hopefully that's helpful. If you have any questions about this, come to the Roll for Combat Discord. I'm always there. I'll answer your questions. Just discord.rollforcombat.com. Do check it out. Also, one other thing I forgot to say, I am going to be at PAX next week, PAX Unplugged in Philly. I'm going to be there. A lot of Paisa's going to be there. Order of the Amber Die is going to be there. A lot of No Direction is going to be there. John Stats from the show is going to be there. I don't know if anyone else is coming. But if you want to hook up or say hi to me, feel free. I'll be there all weekend. And also, do check out the Discord channel. We're very close to 1,000 members. Very, very close. Come sign up, play games, hang out, ask us questions, have fun. But with that, let's get to this week's episode. Last we left off, you went into the foul den where you found evil mutant wolves. And you did a pretty good job at sort of making them go through that wall of fire and kind of limiting them from only attacking you one at a time. And I think some of you didn't even drop, did you? I can't even remember, but it seemed like you guys did a really good job in that combat. The best part about that is you discovered... You smoked them out. The best part is you discovered the polluted pool of weird water, and it smelled funky. And it's just a matter of time before Brixley breaks down and drinks the polluted water. I have no idea what you're talking about. Because wonderful things are going to happen. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. There was an active effort to get me killed. I remember that now. It's not get you killed. It's get you guaranteed wonderful things. That's right. I guarantee wonderful things. And now you're back at the inn and you're hanging out with hanging out with Nolia, the ranger. You walked back. She found a couple of stragglers and she needs to figure out where the source of this pollution this this death and decay is coming from and she might need your help she might you know need a few days to figure out where this is coming from so you will probably have several days of downtime where we can actually even use the downtime system in pathfinder 2 but with that in mind and we don't have to role play every single day but just give me a general idea of what you want to do within we'll say approximately a week or so in which it's going to take for her to maybe do scouting and pretty much anything you can imagine you can do you can make money you can build things you can retrain you can hang out with her and learn her ranger ways she promised to teach you guys cool ranger tricks you can help out with the church what do you guys think yeah i like it um cade will definitely uh try to accompany her and try to be more 
outdoorsy rogue, aka Scouty. You know, learn learn to not step on branches so much like he has been doing uh, as much, and um, also train my little my little friend, my little student. Rob Tramarco is playing Kate Thistlerot, the halfling rogue thief. Perry, she's one plucky girl. Lauren Sieg is playing Prue Frosthammer, the half-orc spirit barbarian. Perry, she she loves Cade. I think she's getting a little crush on you. Adorable. I'm going to spend the week uh, communing with my spirits, getting more in tune with them, basically retraining now that I actually have them. Because I'm not ever going to use Sudden Charge since it's a two-action thing, and I just don't have the action economy. So instead, I'm going to learn to use the spirits for intimidation when they're out and about. I'm going to pick up uh, Raging Intimidation. And then I'm also just going to play cards with Sir Lauren Kent. Ooh, cool. Uh, Brixley would actually be vaguely interested in the ranger training. I mean, he's not a ranger, but he is sort of a outdoorsy kind of guy. So he'd have some interest in that. Jason McDonald is playing Brixley Silverthorn, the gnome champion liberator. Um, if not that, then certainly he kind of likes the idea that they're thinking of founding a church in honor of Caden Colleen, so he may see what he can do to help get, keep that moving forward as well. Yeah, they definitely need help with converting the barn into a church. And if help involves trips to the tavern, so much the better. We're going to get to that. Metamon and Abdar are going to need some help because right now it's just the two of them trying to clean up that place. You can help speed up the process. And then finally, we have the mysterious Celeste. <laughs> um, I think Celeste wants to... She wants to spend her time uh, trying to research this amulet and figure out like how it works and how to get this ritual going. So she's going to spend time gathering reagents and things that she needs trying to figure out what all she needs to do to get this uh this ritual off the ground vanessa hoskins is playing celeste carvazalon the human angelic sorcerer with that being said and now i have a general idea let's go in uh and we'll go in the order that you were talking so cade can go first we'll just Instead of doing it, we're going to presume this is all done within the same week. And obviously, if you want to buy anything or try to craft anything, we can do that too. The first thing I'm going to say is that your friend, Metamon, comes back and he is going to try to transfer the plus one rune from the Kikari to the dagger, if you remember. But I want... The, the short person sword. who's to the short sword, sorry, to the short sword. So to your short sword, but I want you, Mr. Cade, to roll his right. skill check to see how well Metamon actually does the skill. And that'll give you the results to make it more fun. Don't All mess right. it up. I'm assuming his skill is a plus thirty, so I'm just gonna put that right in there. Uh just roll a D twenty. It's very high because he is a master. Yes, yes. Sorry, uh, expert, not not master, expert. Okay, it's a little touch and go, but he actually did a pretty good job, and it looks like that for him to move it over was only going to take... Wait, hold on. Let me do the math. Oh, by the way, I think I might have done the math wrong last time because 
I think I did the math for an actual plus one enchantment, but the math is moving a rune, and the rune is 10% to move it over. And then on top of that, it's supposedly if you use the crafting, it's like 50%. I'm just going to use the 10% cost. So that's a whopping three silver, five copper to move it Done. Over done <laughs> so very cheap and he comes back a day later and he's like oh oh mr mr Cade, mr Cade, i i was able to move it over here's your here's your cookery and here's your your plus one short sword i'm sure you'll get much use out of that i uh, thank you for the plus one did you say that seems odd what you mean it's more magical now would you say magical yes magical? yes it's it's super sharp. It's just super good at finding its targets. It gives you a plus to your overall, you know, usage in your head. Whenever you use it, you think, ah, I'm one better than I was before. <laughs> yes, thank you. This is a shit show. <laughs> what? That's not accurate. <laughs> it's, it makes you feel one better. <laughs> okay, okay. This short sword goes up to 11. That's, That's right. exactly what it is. Um, I estimate a 5% better chance of hitting your target. Hey, man. There's nothing wrong with... Okay, you want to... We'll do it in the game. If we do in the game... Oh, your sword is just a little bit sharper. A little bit more magical. It'll have the ability to hit just that much more than before. How... Don't ask. It's magic. I never ask about magic. Huh? That would be crazy. That's right. I figured he was chopping through little pieces of wood and measuring how deeply it chopped into the wood. Yes. Yes. Ballistics gel. Maybe it's Damascus steel. Oh, we fancy. It's like a whittling, whittling speed test or something. Anyhow, he does that. And he comes up to you afterwards and says, Oh, so uh, is there any other things you might need help with? Do you have any other runes you'd want moved over? I'm fine for right now. Excellent, excellent. Well, if you want to help out building the church, we need all the help we can get. I'm sure we can use that sword for cutting down trees. So now it's weapon potency plus one. Is that right? It's basically just a plus one short sword. That's right. it. It's not striking, just plus one. So all it right. does not is just plus one to hit. Plus one hit and damage. And damage? No? Yeah. Nope. 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 Not nope. damage. Just not a hit. Not damage. Just a hit. That's striking fine. is what gives you the damage. I see. So this was not a striking. No. Yeah. 5% chance more to hit and to crit. Don't forget. I'll take it. Striking is that big damage, too. I absolutely love it in this system. Striking is great when the monsters have it. Oh, wait. Did I say that out loud? Anyhow, so you get your sword. Now, when it comes to Nolia, who wants to go ranger training with her? Dun, 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 dun. Me. That sounds fun. Let's ranger train. Virtually's in. I think Prue, unfortunately, is stuck you doing her retraining. I'm on I'm on the floor of the barn with like my knees down in like a communal position and I've got like little ghosts like swirling around me and I'm communing with the ghosts, learning their secrets. So she's yeah, you're like 
Prue's like in almost detention. Or you're not even in the detention. Prue is like cramming for a test. She's like, all right, I, I learned this one skill useless. I really need to I need to learn how to yell. So she's just sitting there yelling and practicing her yell, screaming at small animals, trying to scare children and and farmers walking by. How's that going? Well, I guess it's going okay. I've got intimidating glare, so I'm gonna mean mug everyone too. Gotta give them the one too, the yell and then the mean mug. I would have to imagine for you to go from what was it, charging to intimidation. You're gonna have to just go into the woods, find some feral animals, see if you can scare them away, things like that. Well, now be mindful. I already knew exactly as much intimidation as I had before as I'm going to have after this. This just lets me do it while under the effects of rage. So really now, I'm like mean mugging and yelling at people while I have the souls of the dead swarming me. Mm. If anything, it should be easier now. That's what I said. This makes so much more sense. There you go. Okay, so Nolia says... Okay, we're going to go scouting, looking for death and decay everywhere we can. And along the way, I can perhaps teach you some skills and feats that are unique to what I've learned out in the woods all these many years. Great. I'm excited. I want to learn about rocks and little creatures. First of all, all of you are at least trained in survival, correct? Um, Checking. You mean like... How to navigate a very busy bakery? Oh, oh, you mean like the people that can't afford things and have to live on the street, like them? Yes, like me. Oh, uh, no, I, I, I don't know how to do that. Oh, hmm. How about nature? Have you, have you studied any nature in all of your time living in the big city? There are some beautiful gardens at, at my parents' house. Oh, growing up there was so wonderful. You didn't, you didn't mean gardens, did you? Hmm. You'll be a work in progress. What about the other two of you? I know about hunting, and, I have, and I'm good at survival. Survival. Excellent, excellent. Survival, yes. Nature, no. I'm not naturally a man of the outdoors. Though we gnomes are generally familiar with that. Survival's good enough. Nature's just an extra bonus. She's like, come, come, let's let's start our adventure. And she starts wandering you through the woods, sort of, you know, teaching you, telling you all about nature and what it's like to be a ranger, how she sort of takes care of all the small animals, takes care of all the trees, the fauna. She helps out, like, you know, with some of, like, the hunting paths, at some of the trails and she just basically is a she's like a warden for nature and this part of the area while you're doing this she's also looking and trying to scout and find more of the blight and obviously there's more parts of it and she's trying to source the exact center of like where the biggest blight is so after two days of wandering in the woods with her she explains to you that she can give you a the general idea and you're kind of getting a feeling for this cool ability called wilderness spotter where you can actually 
within a specific terrain type, you can use your survival skill instead of perception when you're getting ready to fight or if you're like noticing traps it makes you one with nature so that if there's a trap that's in your preferred terrain you're better at spotting them the other thing is you come more natural in that terrain so when a fight breaks out you're able to act quicker with that being said i'll give you the exact information of how this works so from a game point point of view this is the cool new system at pathfinder 2 where you can actually get feats and skills that you can't get anywhere else now this does have prerequisite of being an expert in survival but there's a few things you can do at this point one if you want to retrain with her this week to get this you can you would obviously have to like remove one of your existing feats and somehow get to an expert in survival if not you can just get this later like this will be unlocked for you forever and like when you become level four and you get another feat you can choose this one so you don't have to do it right now that's cool yeah i would wait because my perception is pretty high uh no, it's not um higher my survival is not higher than my perception that's kind of what i'm looking at for this my perception is much better than survival you don't get a prue you're committing hey, maybe ghosts. later maybe later Oh, you're too busy commuting with your ghosts to worry about them nature I'm, boys. I'm thinking about the future. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. I don't know. I might pick it up at some point in my character's future, but probably not today. After two days of scouting, and you're starting to get an idea of how this wilderness spotting works, she says to you, I can also teach you a really cool move, but it's only specialized for those truly into nature and into the ranger profession it'll take another two or three days for me to train you in this but eventually if you decide to pursue a path of rangerhood it'll be an option available to you if you wish neat is that like is that like a unique action yes it'll it'll be a unique reaction that's pretty cool do you want to continue our training and searching for the blight? Yeah. Sure, let's go. Brixley, you want to go too? Uh, Brixley, I don't think I see that I'm going to be using this. He's de pretty much dedicated his life to Caden Colleen, and I don't see him becoming a ranger at any point. Okay, so you can go back to your drunken debauchery. <laughs> so right now, one is lost. So we have Celeste the potential ranger, and Cade, who just wants to learn cool ways to kill people. In, out in the, in the air, mm -hmm. or next to some shrubs. Mm -hmm. That's what a ranger does. That's right. So Celeste doesn't have any knack for these sorts of things that she's learning, but she's really taking it as an opportunity to hang out with Noala and learn more about her and what she does around this area, so... So after two days of continuously stalking through the woods, she's showing you a very cool move that has only been taught by rangers, two rangers. And she's kind of breaking some rules showing this to you. But she also knows that only those truly dedicated to the craft will ever be able to pull it off. And she shows you this cool thing called Relentless Stalker. 
in which if your hunted prey tries to escape you, you can very quickly move after them and corner them and kill them. I like that. Yeah, that's pretty great. Okay, cool. From a metagame point of view, once again, it is a uncommon ranger feat. Feat 2. A move feat. And it is a reaction. And what happens is if an adjacent creature you're hunting attempts to move away from you using an action that is the move trait, you can then stride up to your speed in tandem with the triggering creature remaining adjacent to it until it stops. So it's kind of like step up, but it continuously moves. Like you just move with the creature wherever it goes. Nice. Now that one I can take like now. You got to be a ranger. Oh, you have to be multi-classed. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, I would absolutely consider doing that. Now, if you drop, you can retrain with her during this week if you want to drop your feet or whatever you took at second level and kind of become a ranger. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do yeah, it. Yeah, that would be, I think that was Catfall. Catfall. How often have you used Catfall? Come on, be a ranger. Oh, that was the skill feat. Don't you have to take out your class feet, though? What is my class feet? Oh, yeah, the class feet. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have to be your class feet. But you get the... Trap uh, finder, I think. Yeah, but you get hunter's edge in place of it, right? Or hunt prey. That's what you get. You get hunt prey instead. Yeah, that's the, hey, I really don't like you, and now I get bonuses to attack you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so... I guess do I remove a level of rogue? Oh my god, are you really gonna do it? <laughs> oh, I, can I? Oh, can I? Oh, can I? Oh, can I do it next level? Like, how close are we to level three? So you have to do it at even numbered levels, and you don't have to remove rogue. Uh, you still take rogue. Just your class feat becomes the ranger dedication feat. Oh right, yeah, that's that's what I thought. Okay, so then I could definitely remove trap finder. Well, I think what will happen though is okay this is actually how it works you could take wilderness spotter as your will as your ranger cross class multi-class archetype but you can't take relentless stalker until you are a ranger so you would have to wait to level four to take relentless stalker so I takes, see. it takes a little bit more dedication but that's pretty powerful in the world of feats like that one's really up there so being able to like stay next to someone pretty much yeah, forever. <laughs> that's huge, yeah. I, I will so I'll, I'll remove Trap Finder, which is what I got at level two, and I'll put in the what the Ranger dedication feat. Yeah, she can train you. She you Wow, role play that out a little. I want to hear Yeah. Cade's decision to become one with nature. I don't see it as becoming one with nature. I see it as learning uh spreading out what he already knows into a terrain and a, a a venue he hasn't done before right like now that you know he he's always been in the city always period he's never traveled uh in the open road much beyond you know maybe you know uh, going uh, on a on a quick jaunt to somewhere but always coming back to an urban environment now that he's been exposed to this you know, situation. Uh, I think, you know, it's it's new for him. It's harder for him to deal with. He'd like to become a little more familiar with this surrounding. You know, all of the world isn't a city. 
there's more of this out there than, you know, towns and hovels and buildings, right? So I feel that he's going to really pay close attention to what she has to teach and will absolutely, uh, you know, at least give a little bit of his uh, urban rogue ways away in order to get more of this new, um, I guess, this, this edge in this new environment. This is what he's always been doing, right? Like, <clears throat> he's always tried to, in order to stay alive, he's had to adapt, so he's adapting. She's impressed. She's She, like, grabs you by the arm and says, you're going to be a mighty fine ranger. You're training that young girl in the ways of the weapon. Now you become one with nature. You're going to become a deadly hunter. I know it. Plus, you'll help out nature. And together, we will destroy this blight. That's for sure. This is not... What's been happening around here isn't right. I got a, f a really bad feeling when we fought those diseased animals. Hunt prey's actually yeah. pretty good, if I remember correctly. Skills I get. I got to pick a trained skill. So this is, So you're not so much a ranger as just... You've been a city rogue, and now you're a country rogue. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the plot of Doc Hollywood, but applied to rogues. <laughs> right. Sing it. Sing it, Jason. Country rogue. Take me home, country rogue. <laughs> I don't know the rest <laughs> of it. Take me home, country rogue. There we go. That's even better. <laughs> and there's our episode title. <laughs> this needed to happen. Country rogue. So everyone is multiclassed, Jason. I refuse. I'm so I'm holding out. But it's so good in this edition. Or at least if we, I'm going to hold out for something really freakish. <laughs> what the heck can that be? I don't know. You can pick up barbarian and have drunken rages. Hmm, interesting. You could go druid and brew up some holly mead. I'm trained in nature now. I was about to say you by becoming one. With the woods are now trained in nature. Actually, I think it has to be survival, unless you have it already. I have it from um, Refugee. So I, I had to take it out because I can't have two check boxes. So I swapped it. I put the check from Ranger there, and then I put Nature for Refugee. Got it. I'm pretty sure if you would gain trained in something you're already trained in, you just get a free training, right? Yep. Know, turned blue like it was an error. Let me check again. Well, it's entirely possible Hero Lab doesn't know how to do that yet. Oh, you mean I I, I would click the... Tr like, well, it says no. Actually, I'm reading it. If you are trained in survival, you are trained... It's okay. If you choose Ranger Dedication, you become trained in survival. If you're already trained in survival, you instead become trained in another skill of your choice. Yeah. So you don't get to make it go up to Expert. You just get another one for free. Right. I, I get Nature for free. Right, if you want, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. And then you get Hunt Prey. You designate a single creature as your prey and focus your attacks against that creature. You must be able to see or hear the prey. And you must be tracking the prey during your exploration. You get a plus two bonus to perception checks when you seek your prey and a plus two yes. bonus survival checks when you track your prey. You also ignore the penalty for making range attacks with your second range increment against the prey you're hunting. You can only have one creature designated your prey at a time. That is very, very cool. I love it. My my staffling just got better. 
you wanted to hunt people down and stab them with knives. This makes you real good at it. That's it's kind of my it's my dream. All right, just give me a second. I'm just checking her, make sure it's correct. I can uh, print it out and send it to you, Steve, if you want. Or, you know, PDF it. I got it, too. I got uh, it. Okay. All right, let's see. I don't think anything really changed except your skill. I think that was it. Basically, you got nature. Everything else stays the same. Yeah, the first dedication doesn't really give you all that much. Okay, so you are now, after spending, you're going to have to spend a whole week with her, going through learning the ways of nature, the ways of the wood. But you have become a ranger rogue. R squared. Yeah. And you have also become trained in nature by spending a week out on the bout. How about that? Out and about. That's great. So Relentless Stalker you can't take until, well, unfortunately level four. But you will be able to take it. And then no one will ever escape your grasp. I'm pretty psyched about Hunt Prey. So yeah. And then in theory, later, when you become an expert at survival, you can even retrain into Wilderness Spotter. You could actually kind of retrograde it. Okay, Cade has learned a lot in his week of downtime. He's become one with nature. He's been training Parry. She's getting better and better. He's also been telling her, like, while they're training, kind of like a little schoolboy, like, did you know... About the four-leaf clover. Did you yes. know about... Spouting nature facts. <laughs> yeah, you're just like spouting nature facts because you're so enthralled by nature side of I it. bet you didn't know that certain funguses don't grow on the north side of a tree. You want to know why? Probably the sun. I don't know. I just learned it. Like bragging about my minimal knowledge of forests. She, but she loves it. She's like, oh, maybe, maybe... Maybe I should become a ranger. I thought Rogue was really cool, but all this talk about fungus and mushrooms is really interesting. Yeah, fungus, right? Better than turnips. It's certainly better than turnips. What, what what you should do is after you get some some good lessons of fighting from me, then you, you, you go out into the forest with her and you, you can really become a, 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 like, a, like, a like a forest fighter. Forest fighter. Wow. Scout. We'll be scouts. Scouts. Cool. Do you like move in the trees and stuff? Yeah, you become moving the trees. You put mud on your face a little bit. A little bit of mud, like under your eyes. And you put a couple of leaves in your in a headband. And then it's harder to see you. Oh. That's cool. Wow. I gotta do that. So we're gonna... I'm learning all this cool stuff. So I'm learning how to fight and how to hide and where to step in the forest so you don't make noise and what's the best mushrooms to eat. This is great. I'm so sick of turnips. I'm going to start hunting for mushrooms and foraging myself. Oh, be careful. Don't eat. Some mushrooms are bad for you. Oh, that's right. I got to get better at nature. Maybe maybe we can go on some little foraging adventures together. All mushrooms are edible. Yeah. Some are only edible once, though. <laughs> right. We'll make a mushroom chart of which ones are good. And which ones are bad? While she's also training, she's looking at Prue, because Prue's also been helping out with the training. Yes. Prue, I, I see you're getting really good with yelling at ghosts. What can I say? I like a crowd. It's like, before I was scared of you. Now when you got ghosts, I'm even more scared of you. Well, you have nothing to worry about, little one. They only go after bad people, and you don't seem to have the kind of spirit that would draw them. 
wow, you got to show me how to do that one day, how to, how to intimidate people and, and make them run away and be scared of you. Oh, yeah? Well, if you've got time, sit down. Look, you got to... Oh, of course. Yeah. You got to curl your lip just a little bit like this. Show them your tusks. Well, I guess you don't have any tusks yet, but maybe they'll grow in. And then you got to furl one of your eyebrows, see, like this, and then give them the boo. You know, oh. that's how you do it. Oh, like uh, like a day or two later, she comes back and she's like, look at what I made. And she has like these wooden tusks. It's sort of like those fake teeth you put in for Halloween. Like if you're a vampire, she's like, look, look, I can put these in. And she like kind of puts them in and she's like, how's that? I turn I turn around and hide my face and, and I, I smile and cry just a little bit at how cute it is. And I turn back around completely business. Yeah, that's OK. You're getting pretty passable. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to grow tusks, but I figure in a pinch I can just throw these in and people won't know. Man, I think I'm going to put a little blood on them. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll put a little beet juice on them. Yeah, that sounds good. I'd think twice before messing with you. Yeah, yeah. This is great. I'm learning so much from you two. I can't wait to go off and be an adventurer. Keep practicing and you'll get there. Meanwhile with Brixley. Now Brixley, after two days in the woods, he realizes, you know... It seemed like fun, but we really need to get back to the church and do some drinking. So one of the most important things about a church of Kate and Kaylin is the bar. I can accept that. That seems like a valid project to work on. So keep in mind, Kate and Kaylin, not only do you worship there, but you need to drink there. And one of the best ways to pay your tithes is to buy beer. So with that... Challenge accepted. <laughs> with that, do you have any concept or general ideas of how you might want to create the church slash bar? Now remember, Spirit Spirits has already been taken. Unless... Can't have it. Yeah, that's right. Unless they're interested in opening up a uh, satellite office. And maybe, maybe, and I might be talking out of turn here, but maybe I see an opportunity here. For Spirit Spirits and K and K Lynn to join forces. It could be a franchise. Franchise. We're listening. <laughs> I think my establishment should be called Turn Up for Turnips. <laughs> we are no longer listening. That's it. Close that folder. Oh well. <laughs> my business model is flawed. <laughs> what is it? It's all turnip ale? Like you 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 actually don't need to know your mar- know turnips. your market. Oh well, that, that's true. Maybe. Actually, no. We probably want to provide something different. We want, we want, you could get turnip stuff every, everywhere here. Turnips. In theory, after we clear out the blight, we'll be able to plant all kinds of stuff like pumpkins and corns and potatoes. They might not have to always have turnips. Do they choose turnips because they somehow resisted the blight? Is that the deal? Maybe. I mean, why else would you only plant turnips? I mean, you can, you're you even sacrificing the ability to have adequate crop rotation if you only have turnips. That's just bad for agriculture. Those turnips are like, we'll grow in anything. Who cares? We're turnips. It's like a, like a superfood. Like the tardigrade of vegetables. Right. It grows in barely enough dirt. It even grows in cursed soil. So how goes the building of the church slash barn? Sorry, the church slash bar, not barn, bar. We're still struggling with the concept. Well, 
usually most churches can kill in are bars, or at least they have a bar in the church. It doesn't have to be a full bar, but it's at least a small service bar. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, you don't have to name the bar. You can just call it, you know, the yeah, pulpit. You just have kind of like a one corner of it or whatever it can be like the, the drink station. More of a mini bar. Like holy water, and it's in quotes. I don't know. It'd be kind of cool if you conducted ceremony in like a brewery and you've got all these big like vats of, of ale and stuff and everybody's just sitting there listening to the sermon. The pews would have to be replaced with barrels, naturally. That'd be great. Right, it's like a beer garden kind of a feel. Just have a beer garden. A beer garden to Caden Killian. Well, the biggest churches actually are set up like beer gardens. That actually is a thing. So, you know, the smallest churches are church with kind of instead of a gift shop, they have a bar. And, you know, of course, some bar snacks, things like that. But the larger, bigger churches, the mega churches, if you will, those are the full beer houses. Now, you only have a population of 200 here. So you might want to think small. But I can tell you, these dwarves, Metamon, he will tell you that, um, you know, we, uh, we do know how to brew some wicked ale. If we could only get our hands on some hops or other items besides turnips. Are could... the uh, caravan guys still here? Yes. Yeah, no one can leave until... Right. Um, I'll see if they, A, if they've got anything in stock, and B, if we can arrange some sort of, you know, set up some delivery schedule or something to get them, you know, kind of get them going with some actual brewing. Because since we can only grow turnips here, I guess we probably need to come up with something else. So I'm going to go see the, uh, I'm sorry, I forget the name of the half. The, talk to the, like, caravan. Oh, um, you can see um, Tamil. Tamley? Tamley, Tamley. You can go see Tamley. She's like, oh, how you doing, Mr. Brixley? How's things been going with the church? Well, I have a special project that I could use your help with. Um, we need some uh, brewing supplies. And, of course, there's not much of that here in town at the moment. So I was wondering if you had anything in stock in your caravan. She raises an eyebrow, like one eyebrow, like the Spock eyebrow. And she's like, that sounds like an excellent idea. And she sort of motions you to follow her back into like her trailer, and uh, she like open you open up the door, and inside is like just tons of brewing supplies and ales and liquor, and she's like, you know, one of the problems whenever we travel in these caravans is there's nothing ever good to drink. And everything that we do have is way too weak for the likes of me. So I usually have to either carry my own or brew my own. So it's become a little bit of a hobby of mine. And since uh, you're a member of Kane Kalin, I figured it was just a matter of time before you and I started talking. Well, I'd like to see if we could maybe start some sort of arrangement. I'm actually helping to found a church here, so the church would need regular shipments. So so there would be possibly something to get started, which I would pay for, and possibly at least set up an arrangement to, br to bring in regular shipments. She, like, lights up, and she's like, oh, come in, come in. The caravan actually has those, like, covered wagons, you know, kind of almost like the circus of old, where you kind of can go inside, and, like, that's where she lives. And that's where she's showing you, and you were in that before, 
when uh, Bort was murdered, and that's obviously he had his, and this is hers. And she like sort of shows you in, and she like brings you over to like a cabinet, and you can see there's like ice on top of it, but it looks like there's magic keeping the ice from melting, so it's keeping it cold. And she's like, "This, this is my special ale. I, I actually brew these for myself. Would you like to give uh, some a try?" They're, uh, they're what I much. like to try at ale, woman, do you know me at all? Well, I'm just warning you. These are a little strong. That sounds like a not challenge. A, not a problem at all. I relish a good strong ale. So she she pulls out one of them. She's like, this one, I don't really have a good name for it right now. I just call it the purple stuff because, well, you can see why. And sure enough, it's like bright purple. She goes, it has something to do with the berries and the malt. It somehow ferments and turns this bright purple color. But I tell you, it doesn't taste anything like it looks. It was I meant to have... be, Brixley. Meant to be. I'm going to have to try the purple stuff. Here you go, drinking weird stuff again. So sure enough, you try the purple stuff. And the strangest thing is that that kind of goes through like five different textures and tastes all in a few seconds it's it's quite elegant and unlike anything you've had before and she sort of has a small smile on your face as i imagine you're kind of surprised by the complexity of this brew so 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 what do you think of this one i think this is pretty great um do you have anything else yes yes she has two more in here she wants to show you so this other one is kind of a failed experiment I just call it Red Power, because, well, yeah, you, you see, I'm not very, you know, original with my names. You might want to rename them, but sure enough, this one I kind of use when I'm about to get into a fight, and it's it's red, and it sort of gives me a little bit of boost of energy every time I drink it. All right, I'll definitely try the Red Power. Now, the Red Power actually is, like, almost fizzling. And she's like, oh, yeah, I've been fooling around carbonation with this one. So that's kind of what gives it its kick. And uh, we, may need, we may need to dub this one Betrayer's Blood if we start serving it. <laughs> Ooh, that's in honor, of, in honor of Halid. Pretty there good. You, there you honor. Go. Honor. <laughs> or, you know, as a uh, rebuke mo- of Halid, yeah. we'll name a drink after his death. Right. <laughs> that's worth being at the spirit. Since he, be- since he betrayed the town, after all. So sure enough, you, you you take a sip and it tastes very bubbly. It's almost like a weird mixture of ale and champagne, if you will. But it's not bad in any way, shape, or form. But it definitely has a little bit of pop and fizz, almost like champagne does. Interesting. I like this as well. And you said you had one more? Oh, this one. This is my special brew. And this one. This one is the hardest one of them all to make. And she pulls out in the back. She like kind of fumbles through the back of the uh, back of her refrigerator. And she pulls out a wooden casket. And she says, I call this one Old Woody. Yes, Old Woody. Sorry, uh, we had Old Woody appear in a different campaign. So this is a bit of a throwback for me. So I am going to have to. Tr- <laughs> I'm going to have to try Old Woody, uh, even though I, re- I remember what it did to me last time. Okay, 
You gotta give me a fortitude save if you're trying old Woody. So that's right. Technically, old Woody did not do it to me last time because the character that tried it lost his sense of taste, so he didn't have to do the fortitude save. That's right. Or no else it was like a lot easier. I forget which. Because he could probably still smell it. No one can drink old Woody without like falling dead on the face drunk. But your character who lost his sense of taste was able to down and finish old Woody and became like the hero of the town. But perhaps this is the origins of old Woody. It's like Jade Cobb. They still sing songs about it. That's right. And maybe this is the origin. Maybe we've gone back in time. Who knows? Or who knows? If you're passed out on the floor for more than four hours due to old Woody, please contact your physician. Well, old Woody was mixed with Numerian fluids, which was part of its power. In addition, old Woody is inside of a oak barrel that has obviously been around for hundreds and hundreds of years as you can still see the mold and other things growing both inside and outside of old woody you have to drink this <laughs> there's there's a there's an in character reason to do it this time so yeah damn right i'm drinking it give me a fortitude save 19 <sighs> I will say... Guidance? I love how you're disappointed that I probably made it. <laughs> it's okay, Brixley. I'm sure you can do it. You mixed. You missed my one. Um, you, guidance? <laughs> you're not there. <laughs> There's no guidance. This is something I gotta do by myself. That's right. There's things that gnomes gotta do. You drink it, and three minutes later, you wake up facing the ceiling with her face just with a big old smile like right on top of you as you like slowly open your eyes and she's like it's good right indeed it is it's pretty good though i'm not sure how many of these townspeople are going to be able to handle it but i'd like to i'd like to reach an agreement with you these are all excellent and i'd like you to become one of the first acolytes of the church of cain colleen by coming up with an arrangement to supply your beverages to our to our bar slash altar. Oh wow, this is great! It gives me something to do while we were sitting in town waiting for the stupid judge to show up. Okay, you know what? I'll start whipping up additional batches, and maybe I can get a percentage of the tithes, or we'll perhaps you can teach. Me- perhaps you can teach Metamon as well to do the, to help with the brewing. If you, well, you will eventually have to return to your your trade, I would assume. Or maybe you want to settle down here and become become a member of the church at Ted Bar. Hmm. I doubt I'd actually want to do that, but I'll tell you what. Let me whip up a few brews and see what Metamon and the other members think of these, and I'll come up with a few others that I've been experimenting with, and maybe I won't train them all of them, or I gotta maybe just keep a few to myself and bring them in as needed and Let's, let's, let's play it by ear, but at least uh, we can get started by uh, working on an arrangement. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll actually do this for free for now, just uh, having the opportunity of having my beers and ales in the official church of Caden K. Lynn. I can only imagine that perhaps, perhaps it could turn into something greater. At least I could maybe get an official seal or record from you saying that... Uh, Officially, that my ales are being served in this church, so maybe I can go to other churches in other cities and see what they're gonna 
do, and perhaps I can sell to them as well. Indeed, Caden's blessings will be unto you, and we will make sure that you are known far and wide for your talents. Oh, this is great. Oh, wow. This, this started off terrible, and she gets kind of sad about Bort. She's like, and, and I'm never going to forgive whoever killed Bort, but maybe there's a silver lining to this. As, you know, I kind of keep this a secret. I mean, you know, all the people in the you know, the caravan know that I do this for, you know, a side gig, just kind of for fun, just for myself, but I never really thought about turning it into sort of a, a side trade or something I could actually give to other members, but if other people could enjoy my brews, uh, that would be great. So with that, you'll come to an agreement of some sort, and the tale of Old Woody grows. Old Woody claims another victim. Oh, right. Didn't Woody, old Woody, turn your something blue or something? I think it did have a side effect of some sort. I don't remember what it was, but I, I, I didn't I didn't fail the fort because my, I had no taste, but something happened to me. Like I grew like le- leathery skin for a little while or something, or yeah, or hair or extra hair or something. I think something turned a different color. You know what? In between sessions, I'll come up with a table for Old Woody, and we'll have some fun, shall we? And then everyone in the party can partake of Old Woody. Oh, no. Yeah, we'll see about that. Oh, we will, Half-Orc. I have a name, you know. Oh, you will, Prue Frosthammer. Prue Frosthammer, (laughs) the Half-Orc. And last but not least, Celeste. The scariest... Slash best one for last. Scariest? Celeste isn't scary. There's nothing scarier than nobility. Oh, I've been working on yours for a while, my friend. (laughs) Oh, no. So, describe to me how you are trying to tap into the power of your amulet. Okay. Um, Well, you had mentioned before that I could sort of intuit out what this ritual was. Um, so she starts to gather as much material as she can. Um, she talks to Delma and she talks to Uncle Falsty and sees what she can gather in terms of family heirlooms or things like that. Anything that she can use to sort of tie back to ancestors to power this ritual. Um, and she's going to gather it together and start making plans and preparations to perform the ritual itself in Etrin's old house where the journal and the amulet were actually discovered. Uh, I, re- I recall Delma wanted nothing to do with it, but she was still kind of curious. Uh, so Celeste will give her sort of the second chance opportunity to see if she wants to participate. Uh, and then she definitely asks Uncle Falsty if he wants to join. That's an excellent idea. So both Delma and Unky. Uh, are more than happy enough to give you some fairly heirlooms and some information about like growing up here and just sort of give you some knickknacks and other things that hold great value to them. Whether or not it's going to help, who knows. But it can't hurt. In addition, your research realizes that to do a ritual of this sort, you will need to spend a couple of gold pieces worth of materials and like essences and things to burn and sacrifice to call forth um, a spirit of some sort. That sounds fine. You estimate it'll probably take about five gold pieces of uh, materials, which you should have. 
and Del might oh, yeah, be happy to help you out with that. Of course, you know it's not free for her. She, you are maybe family right now, but I, I can't be giving out this stuff for free. But uh, I'll at least give you as much as I can. I have to at least pay cost. Oh, absolutely! I wouldn't have it any other way. After gathering this all together and going to the house one evening, both Delma and Unky Targan decide they don't really want to be there for this. They think this is something that you should be doing in private. But of course they want to hear all about it. Is anyone going to go with her while she does this? She definitely invites all of her companions. Yeah, we'll help out. Brixley's been curious about this whole thing, so he's going to come along. I don't want you to get yourself hurt. I better go, too. I think I finally know how to call out this spirit that's supposed to tell me the secrets of my past. And who would want to know those? You go back to the burnt-out house. It's a dark and stormy night. It's not raining, but off in the distance you hear raindrops. Lightning is going off far in the distance as a storm is brewing nearby. This sounds ominous, but you know it's a perfect night to summon things. With that, you put the amulet around your neck and you begin channeling into the amulet using the essence and the incense that you bought, burning that and sacrificing it, using the heirlooms and other items that feel connected to this town and hopefully this amulet. And finally, I need you to do an occultism check to see if you can commune with whatever is within this amulet. All right. Uh, she'll also add just a few drops of her own celestial blood. And you want me to make the occultism check? Yep. Damn. Pretty good. 20. Okay. At first, you're sitting there thinking and saying the word Kravaslan over and over again. And nothing happens. And after a few minutes, you can feel something. Something happens in front of you a mysterious creature cloaked in shadows appears (gasps) obviously doesn't look like it's up to any good what you think is a face but is encloaked in shadow and smoke rises up and looks at you and says who has summoned me it is I, Celeste Carvassalon, have called you forth to answer for the secrets of my family's past. Carvassalon, how dare you use my name, impudent, weakling, mortal. You dare to use my name. It's not your name, it's mine, passed down for generations. <laughs> and he seems to almost be smelling the air, putting a... Uh his hand waving in front, going, You are one. One who has paid the eternal debt. (laughs) Ask away, impudent fool, and I will tell of your doom. I don't want to hear about my doom. I want to know, why why is there magic in my blood? Where did this come from? Cade slowly pulls the new short sword out of his (laughs) scabbard. Yeah, this is spooky. He looks at Prue and is like, a ghost? Uh, This is obviously a 
demon or devil of some sort, probably way past your pay grade. Yeah. Plus, it seems to be nothing but shadow. But if you feel like attacking it, go right ahead. Oh, I don't feel like attacking it. I feel like having my knife out for what if it does, I can annoy it a little. Celeste, I uh, hope she's definitely nervous. She's trembling in, you know, trying to hide it. Uh, but trying to appear strong in front of this creature, she doesn't want it to take advantage of her. Should I make a deception? Sure. You can go right ahead. Very good. 22. Although, it doesn't really work. <laughs> More importantly, it doesn't seem to care. You are an insect to this thing. It looks at you and explains. Well, well, well. It's been a while since someone has summoned me. I was wondering what occurred. It looks like somebody found the ambulance. <laughs> and it smells like you have my blood. Very well. I will tell you of the pact. You have power as it is my power. Back in the age, your original member of your family made a pact with me and wanted power passed along generation to generation. And I, in turn, gave a small sliver of my eternal being into your soul that can be passed from Vassalon to Carvassalon. <laughs> so in essence, you have part of me in you. That's not altogether reassuring. I was told my blood is celestial. How, how could that be? You don't quite seem to... You don't quite seem what I would have expected from an archon or an angel. The power has obviously been warped and tainted over the eons of time. But no matter, for you all still pay the price. What, what price is that? Oh, your parents never told you. How delicious. <laughs> There's a price to be paid to use this power. Not eternal damnation, unfortunately. Just a mere inconvenience. <laughs> Every time you use your power, when you die, you serve one year under my domain. <laughs> Celeste turns Blanche white, thinking about the dozens upon dozens, perhaps hundreds upon hundreds of times that she's healed people for coin for her father, and is just counting up the countless years and thinking about how much more damage she's done just since reaching this town. How... how can I... how can I end this deal? What is the... What is the way to break this contract? Break the contract? To end it. <laughs> it's not for eternity. It's up to you. Don't use the power. You serve no time. Use the power and you serve time. Eventually you'll move on. I'm a fair and lenient torturer. There's no, there's no clause. There's no end. Perhaps there might be a clause, a way to end it. 
but it's going to require you going against everything you stand for. <laughs> You'll be perverted one way or another. Then what must I do? Now, now. We've just met. No fun in telling you all of my secrets right now. I'll tell you what. I will answer any one question you wish to know not regarding our contract. And there is a very good chance that I'll be telling the truth. <laughs> Where can I find the individual responsible for the current blight on the wilderness around this town? Hmm. That woman's doing excellent work from what I can see. Oh, and he seems to be like thinking to himself, almost scanning the area. He's like, oh, oh, this is quite sweet. Oh, maybe I should approach her. She's obviously skilled in death. By the way, do I have an opportunity to identify this creature? Sure, could try. What power would that be? What skill? That would be occultism, but I'll do it. Well... Probably a demon of some sort <laughs> that you're sure of. Obviously cloaked in shadow, which is on purpose. So you will not know, but looks like calling it back will not be an issue. So maybe as you get more powerful, you'll be able to figure it out. Hmm, okay. Or study a little bit more about demons and devils. I might do that. So where can I find this person responsible? Oh, don't worry. The person responsible is within 20 miles of where we stand now. With time, you'll be able to find her. Or she will find you. I wouldn't worry. <laughs> and how long are you staying around here? Are you under my command while you're here? Oh. Dare you even insinuate that? Nobody commands Carvassalon, not some puny human. <laughs> if I could, I'd kill you right now for even saying that. But I can't. It's part of the pact. You must die of natural causes. <laughs> Is that so? Well... In that case, I am done with you. Please go back to wherever it is that you came from. Gladly. Don't worry. I'm sure we'll talk again. And don't forget, one year. <laughs> and he dissipates in a puff of smoke. And it's as he was never there. The moment he's gone, Celeste just collapses and sits on a nearby piece of debris. And is just... Oh my god. Okay. I think I'm going to need some of that woody or whatever. <sighs> what just happened? I don't think I brought any with me, but there's some back at the church. Brixley, what was that? What do we know what that was? Yeah, that was a lot. Are you all right, Celeste? I don't believe I am, if that thing is to be believed. Although, I suppose it could be lying, but... <sighs> well, if there's... A pact. It has to be somewhere. Maybe we can find out what it is and break you out of it. He said there's a way out. 
Yeah, but he doesn't have to tell us why, but oh, if there's some way to, out, I, I just think about for years since I matured and gained these powers, my family, my father specifically, has been selling them to whomever he could, touting me as a miracle healer, miracle child, so I'm a little nervous to use them uh, all over the place, get the wrong sort of attention, you understand? And oh, it's been years and years, and I, I can't think of the hundreds of times I've probably used it and the a damnation I may have already called upon myself. I feel paralyzed. I don't know what to do. Well, it seems like we have to you would have two choices. You could try to stop using the power, but you still have to face the consequences you've already obtained, or you can, you know, rise to your full potential and we can figure out some way to break this curse and get you out of it. It seems like the cat's out of the bag. I think breaking the curse might be our only option. You you would all help me with this? Well, of course right. we'll help you with it. We're kind of in this together now. I, I don't know what to say. Thank you. I I don't... I thought I've had friends before, but I don't think I did. I, thank you. You've got friends now. You want to learn about some fungus? <laughs> sure. I'll learn about some fungus. Do you pull some out of your pocket? Are you, like, carrying it around now? Are you, like, Mr. Science? No, I have a, a sketchbook of shoddily drawn different fungi. <laughs> that one looks kind of funny. Yeah, some of them are shaped really weird and uh, you know, it's it's nature now. It's it's kind of my it's kind of my thing now. Oh yeah? It's you always there. seemed more like a little city halfling. I am. I was. I, I'm both. I'm I straddle two worlds. The indoors and the outdoors. <laughs> Well, you should shut the door. You're going to let all the warm air out. I guess that's my burden to bear. <laughs> the the drafty halfling. The drafty. That's the name of your bar, Brixley. That's good. That's good. That's not bad. Sounds like you ate too many beans or maybe too many turnips. I don't know. <laughs> yes. That kind of drafty. I've learned now that I'm a ranger to only be silent but deadly. In the, out <laughs> in the outdoors. Okay. Oh. oh boy. So let's see. Recap. After one week, Cade has become obsessed with nature. Prue has learned how to intimidate while summoning ghosts. Brixley is well on his way of earning his bartender's license. And Celeste, well... Celeste learned a lot about her family history. Maybe too much. Yeah, asking you shall receive, huh? Oof, I know. There's one good thing. You know, for a fact, with even just base occultism and anyone else's occultism or, or religion, that these packs with demons or devils are infamous for having a loophole. However, finding the loophole <laughs> is part of the challenge and trying to figure your way out. Obviously, the demon has to abide by it. That's actually one of the core loopholes, is that if the demon or devil breaks the contract, then you're out of it. The problem here is that you did not make the contract, and this was made eons ago. Who knows how long? 
It seems like there must be a surviving copy somewhere for it to be legitimate. And the only lead we really have to go on is the genealogy book. It's got to lead us somewhere. Is it in the book, maybe? Like it's encoded? It's possible. Or it could be somewhere else in this uh, area. You know, maybe something else still hidden in the old house. What does Uncle Targi know that maybe he's not saying? Nah, probably a whole lot of nothing. He mentioned something about rumors of a family monster. Well, this would be it, I suppose. But mm, there might be something more in his legend than he realizes. It'd be worth asking him about again, I suppose. Up to you, however you want to handle it. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not going to let him know what happened, necessarily. Uh, if it comes down to, hey, how the ritual go, uh, Celeste is going to lie. Um, and if she runs out of room to lie, she is going to create a distraction and leave. But other than that, she does want to start asking more about this family monster that uh, that Tangen was talking about. Uh, he's not so interested in it, but Delma, when you come back, is definitely curious to see what happened. And when she sees you, she can tell that you're like white as a sheet. And she said, mm. what happened? Oh, it was it was frightening that some some creatures showed up. It was shadowy. I, I don't know that I did it entirely right. Uh, I think I was close, though. Uh, but it was kind of scary and kind of spooky what with all the rain and thunder and lightning outside. Uh I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll practice a bit more and try later. But yeah, it was. Uh, whew, gave me the chills. Certainly, it was a real doozy. Should I roll deception? Sure. I'm backing you up. Bam! Natural twenty. Oh, oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, you know, you got to be careful with those uh, those planar summons because sometimes you can, you know call up the wrong thing uh, i've heard stories of people trying to call up like angels and instead getting devoured by demons so be careful oh what do you know about it maybe you can help me when i try it again oh that's just rumors and superstitions i don't know anything about that M you know i'm more into you know running the tavern and talking to people and making a living i'm i'm not so into magic and things like that it's all like wives' tales, things like that. Oh, you just seemed very well versed for a moment. I thought maybe you could give me some pointers. Sans motive? Does she know more than she's saying? Uh, hold on. I believe that would be a secret perception rule. No, she just seems to just be literally touting things that she's heard. It doesn't seem like she's trying to hide anything. She works at a bar. She hears all kinds of stories. That's right. Keep in mind, they're not Carvassalons. They, um, they're fools. True. So they, although are related, they are a different bloodline. But Uncle Targi, okay. he's been around his whole life. He's lived here. He might know a little bit more. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely hit him up. Um, Uncle Falsty, I had some questions about that old family monster you mentioned, some sort of curse or something with the Carvassalons? I remember you said something about that. Huh? Oh, oh, hey, uh, didn't see you there. Uh, family monster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something we would tell kids at night, some shadow beast of some sort that would, like, you know, eat your souls. You know, just, you know, harmless fun stuff. Sounds like they'd be pretty spooky ghost stories. 
do you want to tell one maybe tonight at the tavern um or you know right now at the tavern and we could uh we could let the fire burn down low and turn down some of the lanterns a bit and i don't know tell spooky ghost stories from the past that would be fun hmm spooky ghost stories well, i gotta remember them yeah. it's been so long I, you know i don't really really do that anymore but uh, your family kind of a weird request uh you're not a little kid anymore. Why do you care about spooky ghost stories? Oh, on a rainy night like this? It was always so much fun to do. And besides, it's family history, right? No, it's not really family history. Just more like a little tradition. You know, something we used to tell each other. And, you know, just, just fun. I got other stories, too. I can tell you about, like, uh, you know, the magic tree or uh, uh, the fish that talks. Uh, those, are, no. those are fun. Oh, please tell me about the shadow monster. That sounds like spooky fun for tonight. Well, she shadow monster. takes one hand and holds it the other one behind her to stop shaking. All right, all right. Let me, let me see if I can remember how the story went. It's been a, it's been a little while since uh, since I told it. Uh, uh, I need to I need something to drink first. And he like calls over his daughter, and she like hurries over and brings him his uh, favorite turnip ale. So after Targon downs his turn of beer and moseys over to the fireplace and sits down and he sits there thinking and he almost seems to transform into a younger version of himself and it almost looks like there's a shadow in his face his eyes appear to be sunken and there's almost a scary quality to him whether this is natural or something you just never noticed before a trick of the light you're not sure but it's definitely adding to the story. He looks at you all and says, Back in the olden days, when magic was rare and times were hard, Vadin Kane was looking for a way to learn how to cast magic. He searched far and wide for ways to learn, but always was rebuffed. The elves refused to teach him, the dwarves turned him away, and even the fey folk wanted nothing to do with him. Eventually, it forced him down a dark path, where he had to go towards demons and devils and other creatures of ill repute to find what he needed. Eventually, he learned enough to create a ritual to bring forth a demon of shadow and darkness. Why do you call me? Hold on, this is killing my voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool, though. He's not going to drop dead, is he? No. Yeah, I like you it. You did this with Bor. It's really good. It's actually hurting my voice. Hold on. Oh, well, it is really good. Why do you call me? Said the demon. Vanden was terrified, but he came too far and boldly stated to the demon to learn great power. This story is too powerful. I was thinking this is Bort all over again. I'm telling you, it's V V's second murder of the day of the adventure. Hey! Oh, you don't mean me. <laughs> no, no, no. But Uncle Targi, you perhaps shouldn't shouldn't have gotten attached though. <laughs> God, I hope not. At first, the demon seemed like he was going to strike down Vaden, but instead, he sensed an opportunity, and a wicked smile arose on his shadowy form. He looked at him and said, Serve me in hell, 
and I'll give you my power for as long as you live. But once you've passed on, you will serve me. Do we have an agreement? Bandon turned to the great demon and gladly accepted this deal, knowing full well that he cursed both himself and his kin all for a little bit of magic. But he was ready to pay the price, and he gladly signed in blood. With that, the demon looked at him and asked him to put forth his hand. Bandon put forth his hand in front of the demon. He grabbed it, and Bandon screamed in agony as he was given the dark power from the shadow demon. It seemed like an eternity in pain. He awoke with a new sense of purpose and can feel the power sourcing through his veins. With that, he looked at the demon and said, Thank you, O great master. But is there any way for me to lose this power? For I've worked so hard to gain it. I don't want to know that this was all for naught. And with that, the demon looked at him and said, As long as you have the power, you will serve me. But if you ever wish, you may forsake the power given to you, and you will no longer be tied to me. But I warn you, there will be a greater price to pay for doing that. But not by me. And with that, Vanden nodded and said, How will I know whether I continuously have the power? Can you help guide me? Teach me the ways of your demonhood? And with that, the demon seemed to almost smile and produced an amulet. And on it, it had a name, Carvasalon, and said, Use this to summon me, and I will help you in times of need. But I warn you, I almost always tell the truth. But a few times I don't. It will be a heavy price to pay. Bandit agreed. And for the rest of his days, he lived with power, knowing that he was being cursed for eternal damnation. But he didn't care, for he wanted to live the rest of his life with magic. And with that, a demon always followed him wherever he went, at all times, at all places. For he was both cursed and blessed at the same time. <laughs> oh. And that's the story. What did you think, kids? Yike. That's some story. Uncle Targi, um, it had a lot less drama than I was expecting. Once again, she's trying to use, I don't know, humor or something else to deflect from her true feelings. Oh, what do you mean? Weren't you scared? Can you imagine somebody giving up their eternal soul for a little bit of power? And perhaps everyone in their family for generations? Terrifying. Yes, terrifying. No, I... I can't imagine doing something like that. But I suppose I can imagine someone doing it. Well, as I said, it's a story we've been telling throughout the generations. You know, it changes a little bit here and there. I think I, I, think I told it right, more or less. But, um, yeah, supposedly, you know, there's some demon that befouls all those named Carvassalon. And obviously Etrin himself, although I don't think he was a Carvassalon, but uh, his house did burn down and he did die a horrible death. I'm sure it's coincidence. 
Hmm. Yes, I'm sure. Now that I think about it, most people in the Carbathla line always seem to die a terrible, horrific death. Huh. That's probably where all the stories come from, don't you think? Yeah, that's that's mighty weird. Hmm. Oh, good thing I'm not a Carbassalon. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, don't worry. Us folks, we just live boring lives. You know, drinking turnips, raising turnips, eating turnips. Who needs magic? Yes, well, <sighs> I am exhausted after today. I, I think I'm going to go to bed. Thanks for the wonderful story. Sure, sure, sure. And if you, you ever want to hear about the talking chicken, I got a great story to tell you later. Ah, but is it a dire chicken? Dire chicken? That's just silly. Does it get plucking angry? Oh, I see what you did there. You tried to make a joke. <laughs> Not mine, I admit, but still funny. All right, I'm going to head to bed. I've had a long day. I'll see you in the morning. Cruise over in the corner. Uh, with Sir Lauren Kent playing the the dragon and the thief. Dragon and the thief. You've been playing that all week, and you realize that this is a game of pure luck. No skill whatsoever. But damn, it sure is fun. Yeah, we're having a good time. Me and my, me and my war buddy. He seems to be coming along nicely. And is definitely not drinking nearly as much as before. Definitely not blackout drunk. He seems to have come to peace with his new position in life. I've taken note of that, and when he when he's not looking, I kind of smile a little bit. Just happy to see him doing better. So are there any other loose ends anyone else wishes to tie up in your week of, I don't know what we call this, the week of character building? Your, your, your workshop. Your weekly workshop. Maybe I have to get some green, dark green highlights in a and like a more rangery hood. I have to think about my fashion now. What kind of fashion do I wear in the in the forest to look as cool as possible as Ranger Stabby? Well, Brixley has more of a neon green, but I'm sure he can help you out. In uh, that gotta die a little darker. Yeah, I'm not sure the forest exists that would where I would blend in. Oh, it it exists in like you know Dreamland, Happy Hawaii, or something. Yeah, yeah, in like you know, in some sort of drug fueled drawing of a four-year-old look being a ranger is not what you wear on your body it's what you wear in your heart you ain't got to go get no fancy clothes for it i gotta put a cloak on my heart and my head and my and a hood and also i'm gonna give my heart a tiny knife you're you're equipping your heart very well so you guys have been spending a good week expanding your horizons learning all about the town becoming ingrained in the town and also the inn has become Back to its former self. Everyone's there. And best of all, no bar brawls this whole week. You've managed to go a whole week. Perhaps it's, I don't know, Prue's scary intimidation and everyone's worried about her killing someone by accident. Maybe it's Cade's incessant lectures about all things green. Maybe it's Brixley trying to... Uh, perfect all things drinking in this establishment who knows but after uh, a week nolia comes up and says to you said she thinks she has a lead i think i have figured out through some triangulation throughout the forest of approximately where the 
origin of this blight is coming from. She looks at you and says, However, if my math is right, it's fairly far away. It's going to take at least a full day to get there. So I suggest we leave first thing in the morning. And if we're lucky, we'll get there just as night falls and we can investigate. Do you think it's within 20 miles? Definitely within 20 miles. Well, sounds like we better go to bed early tonight. We got a long day tomorrow. One thing I would also recommend is uh, any supplies you might need. As it's going to take us at least a day there and a day back. If there's anything you might need, I would suggest you stock up now. Well, I guess we'll get, what, rations? Uh, normal adventuring gear that we, if we don't already have it? Yeah, you already have pretty much everything. Yeah. I mean, your biggest, your biggest um, buying thing recently was bandoliers, which was a good choice. And we yeah. bought up all the healing potions in town, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I thought we were pretty well equipped. Yeah, you got some, uh, got some potency crystals, some healing potions. Um, you got your two plus one swords now, or weapons. Your two plus one weapons. So. You're probably as good as you can get. You have uh, better armor for now. Yeah, for now. Till we can get up to that full plate. Can you even wear it, though? My first... Yeah, at first level, I took uh, heavy armor proficiency. Oh. I'm wearing heavy armor now. The splint mail, I think? I will definitely yeah, donate splint. to the uh, Prue Frosthammer plate mail Kickstarter. If you need money, I've got money. How much is heavy plate? It's 30 gold. And I've got 19. So, I mean, I'm not too far away from being able to afford it. The problem is we'll, just have, to, we'll have to commission someone to make it. Yeah, I've, I've got 12 gold I'm not doing anything with. So, you can take 11. Maybe we can uh, get Metamon to start crafting it for us. There we go. Yeah, you could actually have done that during the week. I don't know that's something you were looking for. Actually, I mean, I remembered, but I forgot. Um, but if you want Metamon to try to at least kind of take bits and pieces from other armor sets and kind of put it together and make a very hackneyed version of full plate. But it should get the job done. Might not be pretty, but it should work. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely commission that from him if he's willing to do it. Sure, sure. He's, uh, he's a dwarf after all. He knows how to make simple and Simple weapons and simple armor. Again, it's not necessarily his forte, but he uh, he did it as an elective when he was in, uh, you know, Dwarf Academy. As you do. That's right. Everyone in Dwarf Academy has to take metallurgy. It's just part of the curriculum. So, um, yeah, let me do a roll here. Actually, I do the roll. Let's see how he does. A damn... These purple dice are death. I tell ya, I gotta stop using my best dice on you people because they only seem to roll 18 and above. That's all I'm gonna say. I Yikes. I know. Except Pat you me my ass. He's making a great set. <laughs> you saw them in person, man. These things are death. Well, at the end of the week, Metamon strides in and you have the armor. And not only that, it actually looks like an actual full set of plate. It's not nearly as hackneyed as you expected. And on top of that, it has like on its chest 
a big old barrel of ale and like two arms like clinking two mugs together. So it sort of is like, you know, obviously like a sign. Uh, I heard about your uh, your uh, your tavern, you know, through Brixley. Uh, don't get mad. He and I were just, you know, uh, learning all about Kate and Kaylin, and uh, I thought maybe you can use this as like uh, your symbol for for your tavern. You know, for your spirit spirits, and uh, you can wear it around if you want. Get mad? I absolutely love it. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Wow. Oh, oh, shocks! And he's like, kind of even. Uh, Blushing a little, he's like, "Oh well, you know, I'm, I'm still new to this uh, kid and kid living thing." But if there's one thing dwarves know, it's a uh, beer and drinking, so it wasn't too hard. Here, here, get this strap. Help me try it on. This is so great. I love this. Oh, excellent, excellent. And uh, sure enough, it fits like a glove, and it is like near masterwork. Not quite, but if such a thing existed in this world, it would be very close. Well, this is truly outstanding. Uh, here is your gold, the amount that you asked for. Yes, 30 gold pieces. And he's like, yes, yes, of course. It did need to actually create it. And it did require uh, materials and so forth. But I'm sure uh, you can sell back your, your your current armor, as I don't think you need it anymore. Or I'll buy it from oh, you yeah. if you wish. Yeah, that's true. Let's do that. Let's sell back the split mail. It's literally never been worn, I think. Or, or did we get it before the dog fight? I can't remember now. You did wear it um, in the um, den. You did. You, okay, so bit, it got it, some use. It's got a little bit of acid on it, and it smells of smoke. But other than that, it's hardly been worn, hardly used. A little old lady would only use it once on the weekends to uh, to kill uh, some mangy wolves. Lightly used. Yeah, so it's worth 13. Uh, are we? Am I going to get half back from it? What do you think? Yes, you get half. You'll get half back because, okay. you know, it does have a couple of acid stains in it. And, you know, he's got to buff that out. And it stinks of high heaven of wolf and smoke. So using the credit from the splint mail, uh, I'll only need a total of five gold from the party to finish the purchase. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll mark off five gold instead of 11. Yeah, sure. Take it. And then I'll erase all of my gold and be done. No, I, I have plenty for... I have, like, 25 gold and 13 silver right now. I like this. Okay. I'm certainly willing to throw in as well. I've, I've already marked it off my sheet. Don't worry about it. There you go. I've erased all my gold, but you all can give me some if you would like. Whenever you need it, let me know. That's kind of what I thought, yeah. I got your drinks. Oh, and you can see the new logo. What, is, uh, what does Cade think? That's spectacular. You're more terrifying and warrior-esque than ever before there's no daggers in it but it's i start. mean it's a start i mean booze is fine for a logo but you know knives the real daggers are the friends we made along the way <laughs> right. all right you got your brand new sparkly armor so you can see how long that lasts before it gets all dented <laughs> yeah. and ruined by uh acidic wolves and exploding demons who the hell knows and with that, we can pick up next time and get ready to rumble. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. You've been listening to Roll for Combat, a Pathfinder actual play podcast. 
If you have a question or comment for the show, please visit us at RollForCombat.com. You can also find us and play various role-playing games on our Discord channel at discord.rollforcombat.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other social media platforms. You've been listening to Roll for Combat. Until next week, always remember to bribe the GM.